Hi, I'm Grant, and this one is important. Welcome to Grant Rants. When I first conceived this show, I was looking forward to having a space where I can talk about whatever I was feeling or thinking. And for the most part, it's been fun things like hobbies, talking with friends and family, and weird history. Today, though, there's been something that's been really bothering me. So this is going to be a rant in the more pure definition of the word, I guess. As many, if not all of you, know by now, I was raised and was very active in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mormon, basically. I served a mission, I held leadership positions, I taught classes on Sundays. I did all of that until I was 25 years old. And look, while I have a lot, and I mean a lot, of problems with that organization, my upbringing, the weird shit it implanted in my brain that I still fight off to this day, I can't tell you it was all bad all the time. There are legitimate things that will keep you ingrained in that belief system longer than you ever think possible. Especially when it's catered to you. What I also was, though, in my youth, was I was surrounded by queer people. I didn't really have a lot of close friends for most of my childhood. I had a handful from elementary school that didn't really carry over into middle school, and a handful in middle school that didn't really carry over into high school. I had a handful of friends from church, but the people I spent the majority of my time with, the people who became my best friends in high school and for a time after, were not straight. My closest high school friends were gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, asexual, and I loved all of them. It was never a question. I've grown apart from most of that group of high school friends, but I will always be incredibly grateful to them for taking this dumb, white, straight Mormon kid and showing him what the world actually looked like outside of what the church was teaching him. And look, does it fucking suck that I had to be taught that? That there is a part of my soul where that feeling didn't come naturally? Yeah! And while I wish that wasn't the case, I am forever indebted to those people for taking the time to befriend me. What became challenging as I got older was balancing those two worlds. The church I was attending opposed gay marriage. You can forget about identifying other sexualities and genders. I never agreed with that, not even a little bit. So I just figured, whatever, the church has come around on other social issues before, I'll just wait until it catches up. And for those who don't know, when I say has come around on social issues, I mostly mean they eventually let black people hold leadership positions and eventually let women speak at their conferences. The bar wasn't exactly super high. I served a mission for two years. I came home. I reconnected with those friends, got way more into social justice causes, because holy shit, did you know the world is actually on fire all the time? Got married to a wonderful girl who also held the same world beliefs that I did, and I kept trying to meet the balance of this worldly person I was becoming and the spiritual person I wanted to be. But how, you may scream, how can an active LDS person 
possibly justify being progressive when the church itself is so opposed to all of that? And that's a fair question. And it can be asked by either side. And what you'll find, the more I talk about what I want to talk about, is it's shockingly easy and incredibly exhausting. But first, let me talk about what brought me to today's topic. As you know, it's June. It's Pride Month. A whole month where we get to celebrate the LGBTQIA community for all they've brought to the world. A time for redemption as we reflect on all the pain that community has had to and still endures. And as becomes increasingly apparent of every year, a time to learn where your straight friends stand. This is always interesting to me. I think for the most part, we as a society have recognized that homophobia is bad. Good on us. It's now easy as pie for anybody to share a rainbow flag on social media to show your support for the community, whether that's gay marriage, gay rights, or just gay existence, which is great. Armchair activism, for all of its faults, also has its merits, and it's way better than it used to be. We've gotten to a point where accepting of homosexuality and gay marriage and a sexual spectrum is now commonplace, and that's a big win. We've still got a long way to go on transphobia and accepting the fluidity of gender and sexuality, but hey, at least we're at a point where drag queens can have speaking parts in vodka commercials, and we mostly think that's a normal thing. So go us, honestly. But the part that always interests me is the Christian spin on pride positivity. And look, I'm not sure if that's problematic or not. There are plenty of Christians in the LGBT plus community, and we can talk about the war organized religion launched on the LGBT plus community. We can talk about the various congregations or belief systems that have tried to incorporate sexuality and Christianity, not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm mainly talking about the straight Christians who want to support this community while in an organization that openly demonizes it. What I see more and more with LDS folks, especially younger ones, they post that they love their gay brothers and sisters, that they accept them, want to be a person they can talk to, how they want to support them, and I get it. I was one of those people, and I gain little crumbs of optimism that maybe, just maybe, the church is heading in a more positive direction, that this outdated evil policy may fall by the wayside if the youth of the church continue to speak up like this. And then the shittiest thing happened! So in the church, you have what are called general authorities, which are basically people who have some high-ranking position within the church. There's a lot of different things you can be, the highest being prophet, and then under him, you've got your 12 apostles, and then under them, you have what are called the Quorum of the Seventy, which is just a fancy way of saying there's a lot of dudes who are running shit around here. A former member of the Seventy, a man named Tanar Callister, who's kind of a cult favorite around the quote-unquote smart Mormons. Note, I am saying this because I used to think I was one of those. Ugh. Tad R. Callister wrote an article for Church News, a new site for Mormons by Mormons. Callister's article, called A Fence at the Top or an Ambulance at the Bottom, is gross. 
In it, he makes the argument that, quote, the economy, national security, immigration, gun control, poverty, racism, crime, pandemics, climate change, I do not believe any of them strikes at the heart of our greatest challenge. A return to family and moral values. To put our prime focus on other challenges is to strike at the leaves, not the root of the problem. It is, as some have noted, to put an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than a fence at the top, end quote. An important thing to know about Mormons is that when they talk about a return to family and moral values, 99% of the time they are talking about how same-sex marriage is an abomination to God. How the root of all of our problems as a country, as a planet, can be linked to Brad and Gary wanting to get married. But don't take my very informed word for it. Have Tad tell ya. Quote, it is an insidious attempt to destroy the nuclear family and God's moral values. He disguises his plan of attack with alluring labels such as pro-choice for abortion, love and compassion for endorsement of same-sex marriage, and environmental emergency for promotion of a zero-growth population agenda." End quote. He also talks about how former disgraced Attorney General William Barr had some good points about why government programs to help with things like gay marriages, abortion, climate change, and combating racism are bad. So, like, not exactly a mystery how this guy feels about shit like that. But here's the thing. While the church has frequently come after the gays, what this article especially went out of its way to do was attack the allies. I mentioned earlier that it's really easy and really exhausting to balance wanting to be progressive and worldly while also trying to be what the church calls worthy. Worthiness being this impossible ideal the church dangles in front of you in the hopes that you can party with God and Jesus when you die. They dangle it by making the impossible seem possible, but deep down you know that should the church be true, there's going to be a few parts of your brain that keep you out of the party. Now back to me. For 11 years I sat in church. I heard people read the incredibly problematic The Family A Proclamation to the World, an official document that told the world, hey, the church? Yeah, we're against same-sex marriage and think being straight is the way to go to heaven. That the family is made of a man and a woman having children, and that's it. It came out in 95, so this ain't even some weirdo shit from the 70s that's out of touch. Nah, 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 this is modern. The proclamation to the world is younger than I am. People love that shit. People have it printed out, framed, and hung up in their houses. Nothing says you're not welcome here than a piece of parchment saying that you're gross. The church tells parents to teach their kids early and often the words of a proclamation to the world. Side note, did you know teen suicide rates are crazy high in Utah? Can't imagine why. But there I am in my early 20s, an avid liberal planning on voting for Bernie Sanders. Hearing people talk about why gay marriage is bad, actually. Hearing people disparage the Black Lives Matter movement. Seeing people who were supposed to be beacons of light flat out shit on the underprivileged. So how did I put up with it for so long? Well, ironically, 
because of Jesus. Being Mormon, I was raised on the King James Version of the Bible. So take that with a grain of salt, you Bible readers. It's a crazy old school Bible, and it's weird as hell, but there's a verse that drove me. It's John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Jesus spends a lot of time in the New Testament trying to debunk all the weird ritualistic shit that was going on in the Old Testament. He subs out the Ten Commandments. He gives you the Beatitudes. He teaches empathy, patience, separation of church and state, tells people to stop killing animals, all that fun stuff. One of my favorites, of course, is when people were trying to stone an adulteress, and he steps in front of the adulteress and asks them, he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's in there. That's in the Bible. Like, who are you to judge? It's right fucking there. And these, but this particular verse, the John 13, 34 one, was the last official thing he ever teaches his apostles. As I have loved you, love one another. It's so basic and easy to do, assuming you're not a butthole. That was my northern star. When I heard Mormons in the church blending religion with conservative politics, love one another. When the out-of-touch white men read the proclamation to the world, love one another. Love one another was as much for my off-base brothers and sisters as it was for my friends who wanted to love the same gender or didn't even feel completely right in their own. I kind of grew what could be described as a superiority complex about it. It's all right. They just don't realize yet. They'll catch up to me eventually. John 13, 34 hung on my bedroom door as a kid all throughout high school, partly through college, and even for a little bit after I moved out of my parents' house. It was the number one thing I pointed to when people would ask me why I cared so much about other people. And I know that John 13, 34 is the guiding verse for a lot of people. A lot of people who are in the church, or any church for that matter, and want to apply the teachings of Christ into their progressive mindsets. And it's a valiant effort, but my friends, please, I have to tell you, it hurts. It fucking hurts. I can't tell you the number of prayers I gave when I asked the church to change its mind. Naively so, I could convert all my cool queer friends to the gospel, and we could all hang out in the celestial kingdom for eternity, and I'd be a good person who didn't have to worry about that, that big question that just sat there in the back of my brain all the time, every time I contemplated my politics, my position in the world, my even becoming friends with those people. The what if I'm wrong question. During the week, you can see the heartbreaking stories of the tragedies inflicted due to homophobia, transphobia, sexism, and racism. It can shatter your heart. You pray hard to heal the world. And then you go to church. Let's say it's 2015, give or take. The Supreme Court just ruled that gay marriage is fully legal. You're excited. It's the law of the land now. But the church dug their heels in and still reaffirmed that you can't get a same-sex marriage in the church. So be it. Maybe you can lead by example. Maybe you can try to channel Matthew 5.16 and let your light so shine before men. You, having a teaching calling, 
to the youth of your congregation, and you try to sneak some words of acceptance here and there, it mostly falls on deaf ears, because those kids are teenagers, and they've already heard it all. They've already been brainwashed. You really start questioning if you're right, and then you really start questioning what you're right about. Are you wrong to think what you think about same-sex marriage? About equality? About anything? Or is it the church? Is the thing you dedicated so much of your life to actually wrong and, dare I say, evil? Can these things not actually coexist? Are the two facets of your soul completely at odds and you lack the courage to declare a winner? I know there are people who are watching that fight play out every day. You start making compromises. You think, well, maybe I can love my friends, but not their end goal. So you try saying that shit to them, and they, of course, think you're a fucking maniac for thinking you can love someone while still hoping they don't get the rights they're fighting for. Imagine living in 1864, really liking the slaves you have and thinking they're coolest people, but God forbid they should ever become free. The religion sure as hell ain't gonna budge either. No matter how hard you pray, no matter how many lessons you teach, no matter how many think tank pieces you read by other progressive Mormons, the religion is never, ever going to accept same-sex marriage. And you lie awake at night, pleading with God, begging for the other shoe to drop. And then it does. It's November 6, 2015. The Mormon church will now exclude children of same-sex marriage from being baptized until age 18. One of the qualifiers to be baptized is if you have same-sex parents, you have to quote, children disavow the practice of same-sex cohabitation or marriage and stop living within the household and request to join the church. And now you know which side is the evil one. That's when my shelf broke. The justification became exhausting. A hollow husk attending church meetings, knowing deep in my soul that this was all fucked and wrong. Christ wasn't here. He was never here. And a few months later, I bailed. But hey, in 2019, they revoked that policy. Yay! After four years of ruined families, a spike in suicide, and young people leaving en masse, they straight up said, Oh, God was just kidding. <laughs> Divine revelation. Fuck you. I know there are people who are still in the church who want to be an ally. I commend you. I lived it. I lived it for over a decade. I know your hearts are good. I know how easy it is to see Christ in progressivism. I know because Christ is pretty progressive. I know how it feels to be so sure you're doing what's actually right, even if it feels like those around you haven't gotten there yet. I mentioned earlier that I used to teach stuff. I still have a lot of scripture still rattling around in my brain. If a desperate plea from me doesn't allow you to show how maddening this dual life can be, maybe this verse, one of the few things I think rings true from the Bible still, can. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. LDS allies, Christian allies, religious allies, allies who are still participating in groups that stand against human rights in whatever capacity. 
No man can serve two masters. Eventually, you will have a reckoning. I don't believe it's one of God. I believe it's within yourself. You will hit a fork in the road of your faith, where you will ultimately have to make a choice between the two. I pray you choose the right side of history. And look, if you do, I'll give you a sneak preview of what to expect. Because leaving the church is an episode. You can get a lawyer to take your names off the record for free, pro bono. It's a cool little service, but it requires a lawyer. You may deeply upset your close friends and family members. If you cite the treatment of the LGBT plus community as one of your main reasons for leaving the church, people may start to suspect that you're gay yourself. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. But it will show you how short-sighted your friends and family are because they're going to assume that there's no way you could just have empathy for people. There has to be a reason. You must have skin in the game. You're going to feel really isolated and really lost for a hot second. Because if the church to this point has been your only source for religion and light, I'll tell you, it's a hard void to fill. But I will also tell you what I did in the wake of leaving. And it's helped. It's not perfect. There's no perfect way to cope with the world and the realities we live in. But here's what I found. Make your God people. Make your God service. Make your God wanting to be kind. And you will find that the positive feelings you had when you felt the spirit or when you were closest to God are eerily similar. When you can rest easily knowing that at least you're doing your best and trying to make the right choices and be a good person. And hell, maybe it's even better to do that without the thought of eternal reward. It's what I've been trying to do. Trying to remember that this life is the only life I'm really going to get. I don't get a do-over in the next world. I don't get an in-between spot. I don't get a bonus kingdom. I'm dead. I'm dirt. I'm eventually soil or maybe a cool skeleton that gets dug up in some future grave-robbing reality show. It could happen. But the main thing I keep in mind is this is it, so I have to make the most of it, try to leave this planet in some kind of better condition, and also realizing it's not solely my responsibility to fix everything, but to try and keep some autonomy with the things I can control. That's it. Now, there are countless other ex-Mormons who have gone to other religions and other faiths. Completely valid. This particular structure is just what worked for me. And for all the things that I liked about the church and some of the mild things I miss about it, nothing trumps the feeling of knowing I'm doing the right thing and supporting the right people and knowing that my friends can trust me and never need to side-eye me. So listen, I'm not saying you have to give up on God and Jesus, but I am saying you gotta leave the organizations who stopped believing in God and Jesus. And I really pray, like I said earlier, that you choose the right side of history. Thank you for listening.